Uh, it's all over now. The carols are done. The food has been eaten. The presents have been given. Some returns might still be required and some afternoon exercise might uh, be in order. But for the most part, Christmas time is over. I'm not sure if you've ever been struck by the number of quite intriguing connections and the strange relationship between Christmas and time. Uh, there are the 12 days of Christmas, a song that we sing and play. I have no idea what that's about, but it's there in our minds. Uh, there are the number of shopping days until Christmas. They seem to start announcing those in August. Uh, there's the way that Christmas comes around foster and foster each year. There's the great buildup and anticipation and the busyness until we get to the day itself, those 24 hours. And then there's the recovery period that follows, about 364 days, and then we do it again. Christmas has a sense of being a special and climactic time. It doesn't matter how many we've had, how many we've been through, it still has that sense to us. It can also be disturbing Christmas time because it's become a clear marker of the passage of time in our lives, which just seems to be slipping away at an ever increasing rate. I don't know about you, but I'm on the other side of 40 and I find that Christmas comes around foster and foster every year. Of course, Christmas time is a time which reminds us of other times. It is a day that brings with itself memories of the years that have gone by. And so we find that somehow Christmas uh, brings together all of our times uh, tied into one day. As you think about Christmas and time, you might be able to think of all kinds of other connections as you've experienced it. But what I really want you to think about for the next few moments uh, of time that we have together are these words from Galatians chapter four and specifically the words in verses four and five. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. There are three things that I'd like you to leave here remembering about Christmas and time. Here's the first one. Christmas is about the fullness of time. Look at that verse again. When the fullness of time had come. That's a really strange expression for an extraordinary fact. A fact uh, that is expressed over and over in the New Testament. It's an expression that very much encapsulates the entire message of Christmas insofar as Christmas and the message is Christian. Uh, there are so many things that have become associated with Christmas, but if we're turning our mind to the child that was born in Bethlehem, then we must not miss this. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son. When Jesus began his public ministry some 30 years later, he began it with these words, the time has been fulfilled. But what does it mean? What is the fulfillment of time? What does it mean to have time filled full? For most of us as we live in this world, we tend to think of time as just rolling on and on and on. It might seem to be rolling on faster and faster and faster. As time goes on, we come to realize that we have no control over it whatsoever. We simply exist 
within the seconds that pass by, uh, kind of like sand through the hourglass. However, Christmas tells us that time is not just like that, rolling on and on and on, endlessly and pointlessly and meaninglessly. I don't know if you ever had this experience where you have gone to the microwave and you've put your cup of tea or coffee or whatever thing it is that you wanna put in there to heat up and you push plus 30 seconds and then you wait and you watch as it counts down. And you think to yourself, those seconds of my life are gone forever. What was the point and the meaning of them? And then it dings and you drink a cup of coffee and you forget all about that until the next time that it happens. There is an event that has taken place when time reaches its fulfillment. That's what Paul is drawing to our attention here in verse four. Up to this point in human history, humanity has been enslaved to sin, to the law, to death. But at last, the fullness of time has arrived. The date that the Father had set when the children should be bought back, given their freedom, enter into relationship with the Father, and inherit the promise as the adopted children of God. What we have in these verses is that that moment when time was finally filled full, Uh, is when God sent his son into the world. Jesus is the culmination and the focus of all of God's redemptive activity on behalf of humanity throughout all of time. This coming of Christ, God sending his son into the world, was fixed in the purposes of God. All of time leads up to that point, and all of time flows out of that point. All of time, all of your time, past, present, and future, finds its fulfillment in this truth that when the time had fully come, God sent his son. If you want to think about uh, that hourglass analogy, we were playing some games outside on the deck. It was a beautiful evening. We were playing a game that had a little egg timer. And as I watched the sand falling through the egg timer from the top to the bottom, I thought to myself, that is kind of what history is like in God's purposes. He narrows it all down to one point, to one place, to one person because Jesus is the fulfillment of that time, and then he opens it all back up. And so we all look to that point. We look to the point in time in the future when God's glory will cover the earth like the water covers the sea, but we look back to that moment when God sent his son. And we need to be clear that God was not waiting until that time. He was orchestrating that very moment to happen. God was making it happen. It wasn't just that he needed history to be at that point in time. It's that he orchestrated it so that history got to that point so that he could and did send his son. It is God's sovereignty at work. And so we come to understand that time is not unlimited, that time does get fulfilled. That time has a purpose and a goal. It is meaningful and not meaningless. That when the fullness of time came, God sent his son. Christmas is about the fullness of time. Which means that the purpose and goal of time itself is bound up in God entering into it. So we read in John chapter 1 that the word became flesh and made his dwelling 
among us. That is what fills time full. When we realize and we understand that Christmas is not about fantasy but about reality, uh, when we come to see uh, that the whole point of all of life and our entire existence is bound up in this truth that God sent his son, then and only then does time begin to become meaningful in the eternal purposes of God. Uh, Let me try and just bring this to a a point. Um, If you've zoned out, come back just now for a second. I want you to look at your watch. Now, as preachers, we know that you do this all the time in sermons, so you can do it publicly now and unashamedly. Maybe you got a new watch, maybe you got a smart watch. Look at your watch. Look at the seconds as they tick by. You might have to change your watch face to see seconds, but anyways, do that. As the seconds tick by, what we are seeing and hearing as we read Galatians chapter four is that the purpose of each one of those seconds of your life has meaning and purpose and it's bound up in the message of Christmas that the purpose of not just the seconds, but the days and the months and the years of your life are bound up in God sending his son. What we are hearing this morning, what we are experiencing is is that the, the time that our life partakes in, its purpose and its goal and what it is all about is what God has done for us in and through Jesus. Which leads me to the second thing that I want you to see and understand this morning. Christmas is not just about the fullness of time and God sending his son, but Christmas is also about the end of the past. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Again, these are strange words to our ears, but these words are speaking about an extraordinary fact that is largely unfamiliar to us. Uh, When God sent his son, he sent his son to accomplish his purpose. He sent his son born of a woman. That is that the son of God came into the world in the same way that you and I did. Not only was he born of woman, but he was also born under the law. He came into this world under the same obligations that you and I have, namely our obligation to God. And why did he do that? Well, he did that to redeem and to rescue and to save those under the law. Christmas is about the end of the past. The past has been a failure. That is true of all of human history. We are God's creatures. We are living in God's world, but we have refused to take God seriously. We are defiant of our creator. The whole human race is like that. When God chose a people, the people of Israel in Old Testament times, to redeem them, to bring them back, he made himself known afresh and he gave them his law explicitly, but they refused to take God seriously. They became God's defiant people. They, like the whole human race, were under obligation to God and his law. But they, like us, blew it. 
In our gospel reading from John chapter one, verse nine, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. The world that he made, the world did not know him. That is how it has been. And that it is what is true in our lives as individuals. It's true of your life story. It's true of my life story. The past has been a failure. But Christmas and time brings that past failure to an end. It's the end of the end. The end becomes irrelevant because God has sent his son. If you and I have refused to take God seriously, then our past has been an utter failure. And although these words at first sound very strange to us, they are the most important words that we can hear, that when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born like us, born with the same obligations that we have in order that he might redeem and rescue and save. That is what Christmas is about. That is why God sent his son into the world. This failure does not have to be final. This disaster, it can be reversed. Christmas is about the end of our past, yours and mine, which is why John could write, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Thirdly and finally, Christmas is about the beginning of the future, the fullness of time, the end of the past, and the beginning of the future, the beginning of your future and my future. One last time, Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters of God, that we might be given the privilege of calling and crying out to him and praying to him, our Father in heaven. You see, Jesus Christ came into this world not just to bring my past defiance of God to an end, but to give me a new beginning, a new future, an eternal future, one with God, not uh, as the one that I refuse to take seriously, but with God as my father. Listen to these words from John 1 again, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, friends, here we are all sharing this bit of time, this hour together. And on one level, as we look out, we're all sharing the same time together. But what we're seeing here is that Christmas changes time so that in actual fact, some of us are still living in the past, in defiance against our creator, in a godless past. And some of us have begun to live for the future as sons and daughters of God. Some of us are still living time in a meaningless and pointless and purposeless way. Here is an invitation to come into the family of God. 
to finally be adopted as his child, to cry out to him, Father, to enter into this relationship that lasts beyond this life and into eternity. For others of us, as we sit here uh, thinking about the year gone by, thinking about the year ahead, uh, perhaps we find ourselves uncertain of this faith that we have professed for so long. The words that we need to hear from the Apostle Paul, uh, from the writer of John's Gospel, from God himself, is that we have been redeemed, that we have been adopted. Look at what Paul goes on to say in verses six and seven. And because you are sons, God has sent his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. It is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone who changes time, who fills time. As God's children, will you live out this new reality in the way that you think about and the way that you use your time? The Bible has much to say about time. Paul writes in Ephesians 5 that we are to redeem the time and buy back the time, make the most of the time because our days are evil. The psalmist in Psalm 90, 90 uh, verse 12 teaches us that we are to uh, teach us to number our days aright, that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Here we discover that because God has fulfilled time in Jesus Christ, we can be adopted into his family. We can enjoy the rich and multifaceted benefit of redemption. And as we contemplate the benefits uh, that are given to us, as we're united uh, to the living and the reigning Christ, let's ponder the richness of our status as adopted sons and daughters of God by grace. You know, when God regenerates us, he, he breathes new spiritual life into our hearts from death to life. When God justifies us, he gives us a right legal standing before him. But when God adopts us, he makes us a part of his family. Adoption into God's family that makes us children of God, allowing us to cry out to him, Abba, Father. And so as you ponder time over the next seven days, because that's what happens between Christmas and New Year's, Will you think about your time through this lens, through the lens of the gospel, through the lens that your time finds its ultimate and eternal fulfillment in Jesus Christ, in the reality of Christmas, that God sent his son? And will you purpose, will you decide, will you resolve to live all of your time in light of this, in light of this wonderful fulfillment, because you are a son and a daughter of God, because he has sent the spirit of his son into your heart so that you can cry out, Abba, Father, for you are no longer a slave, but a son and a daughter, and if a son and a daughter, then you are an heir through God. There is no greater reality, there is no greater purpose, there is no greater meaning, there is no greater joy than to be a part of this family. Would you bow with me and let's pray. 
Lord, teach us to number our days aright that we might gain a heart of wisdom, that we might love and serve you all the days of our lives, that as we consider time, we would see, Lord, that it is all bound up in you sending Jesus, and that we would spend our time living for you and not for ourselves. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.